How are we doing, mates? Welcome back to another episode of The Top Step. Thank you, first of all, for all your emails and feedback. Uh, got some great ones. I really appreciate all of that. Pete Woodworth was fun last week. This week, we have the National League Comeback Player of the Year, Mr. Daniel Bard. Daniel Bard was the man with the Red Sox, and then he got what we call the yips. Seven years later, he makes a comeback, and he's with the Colorado Rockies, killing it in 2020. This is probably the episode I am most proud of when it comes to um, the top step. And the reason I say that is because you know, Daniel and I, uh, we, we, we took a deep dive into a lot of different things. I'm proud of this because I've already g- given this uh, episode to a few people who I know who are struggling with, with COVID-19 at the moment, the, the mental aspect of it. Uh, not from a health, from from a mental health aspect, and I've given it to them, uh, given this to them. I didn't want them to wait, uh, and they listened to it, and and they said how much this meant to them. So big thank you to Daniel Bard. Um, he talks a lot about a lot of things that we all go through, uh, whether you're an athlete or not, and uh, it's a really really powerful episode. Uh, so I really hope you can enjoy it. Before we do that, make sure you go to www.thetopstep.com. Uh, make sure you subscribe to this podcast too. It really helps me out. Uh, download it, just subscribe, leave me a re- review, whether it's on Apple, Spotify, Google, um, wherever you listen to this podcast. But uh, I don't want to keep you too long. Big welcome uh, to the National League Comeback Player of the Year. I'm stoked to say that. This is a good dude. And I'm so happy for him overcoming so much to get back to the major leagues and be a guy, be, be the dude again. Uh, Mr. Daniel Barr joins me on the top step. No matter what happens, Ryan Roland Smith has something to tell his grandkids right here. First appearance of the big leagues. <laughs> He's a Hall, Hall of Famer. Famer. <laughs> Especially if he strikes them out. Here comes the one-two pitch to Junior now. The breaking ball. He struck him out. Yeah, that will be a story for the rest of his life <laughs> as he strikes out Ken Griffey Jr. And the inning is over. But what an inning it was. And- You'll never say that I'm not killing them. Kill, kill, killing them. Killing them. Kill, kill, killing them. Killing them. All right, Daniel Bard, welcome, buddy. I, I appreciate you taking the time. Absolutely, man. Glad to do it. Yeah, we, we, we ran into each other in 2013. That's when you were with the Red Sox. And, and you, were, yeah, you, you were the guy with them back then, really. You were coming off a couple really strong years. And I remember spring training, like I would you know, kind of stand in the outfield during BP and, and we'd have a couple conversations. And there's always those little, those, those little comments you would make of, you know, where there was that uncertainty of how the ball's coming out of your hand or whatever it is. And I feel like from that point, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know if this happened in 2012, and we're talking about the yips. I don't know if it, if it, if it happened in 2012 or, or around that time in spring training, but was it just a snowball effect with what went on when you left, by the time you left the Red Sox? Yeah, um, so when we met 2013, I had had kind of an up and down year in 2012, and I found out later, uh, about six months later to be exact, after you and I uh, spoke that year. I found out that I had thoracic outlet syndrome uh, and had probably been dealing with like a mild case of that for about two years. Yeah. So I think that was definitely affecting my ability to throw the baseball. And that, and I, I mean, command, velocity, uh, ability to spin the ball, all those things. I, I, I could tell something wasn't the same. I just thought it was mechanical. Mm-hmm. 
I thought it was, you know, I, no one wants to admit it's mental until they have to. But I, at that point, I'm trying to like change grip on the ball, trying to change mechanics, arm slots. Um, so that's where I was, I think, when we spoke yeah. and that year kind of put the icing on the cake. It was rough. Um, yeah. Came down with another like a weird oblique injury because my mechanics were so, so all over the place. And um, yeah, it wasn't until after that, I ended up having surgery for that, that, um, that uh, syndrome. And when I tried to come back from that, I thought like, boom, this will be it. Yeah. They took, they took the rib out, like just about everything will be back to normal. Just got to, just got to rehab it. And that wasn't the case. I mean, I think what happened was I had been pitching with this, this something that wasn't right physically, didn't know anything was wrong and it became a mental issue um, for me. So I don't think I realized it till maybe six months later, a year later that I'm like, okay, this is more, this started as a physical thing, started affecting my, my mindset, my ability to focus, my ability to stay calm on a mound, all those things. And then began the, the journey of trying to figure out how to, how to get my mind back to where it needed to be. Right. So you, so was it because it was just painful every time you threw a ball and you're like, Oh man, I'm carrying an injury right now. So you were trying to do things to work around that injury or do you oh, just there's no pain. There's no pain. It's the weird thing. Some guys have pain or I had some tingling and like some numbness. Yeah. Um, but I, my surgery was actually elective. Like some guys, you know, I have a teammate with Colorado, uh, Scott Oberg, he, th- he throws blood clots from it and he just had surgery for it. Um, so there's all different kind of cases. Some are worse than others, but I think they all, the thing they have in common is they affect your ability to feel the baseball and to, you know, find a consistent release point, all things that are essential to pitch yeah. at that level. Were you with the Red Sox when you had that surgery? They had already uh, let me go. I, they actually DFA'd me. They released me like September 13. Yeah. Cubs, Cubs put in a claim. I spent September with the Cubs and then got non-tendered that offseason. And that's when I ended up having the surgery. So it wasn't a situation where if you're with an organization and you're like, oh, hey, I, I, I want to have this surgery. This is why I feel like I'm, I'm struggling right now. Because I, I was wondering that as you were talking about that, there has been times where, you know, if, and, and again, this is true, you know, from the time I've been playing where someone's like, oh, I'm not throwing the ball well or something. And they're like, oh, I think I need surgery. And there's a bit of resistance from the organization as if to say, no, 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 it ain't that, you know, it, it's you suck it up and, and move on. Was there ever a time when, with the Red Sox, when you started going through this in 2013, and, and you know, let's not forget, you're pitching in, in Fenway Park. They win the World Series that year, right? So I mean, you're in like, yeah, you're in the pressure cooker already, and you're dealing with this stuff in, you know, in, in your head. What was their approach to try and help you in 2013? Um, you know, I, I did a lot of work really throughout my whole career. Uh, but especially that year, uh, 12 and 13, with Bob Tewksbury, who was our, our mental skills yeah. uh, coach at the time, sports psychologist. Um, he was awesome. He, he was there. He's still a good friend to this day. Yeah. And I appreciate all the time and effort he put in with me. I think I was just in a place where it didn't matter what anybody said. I wasn't, gonna, I wasn't in a place where I could um, kind of step back and, and take that advice and actually use it to help me. I I was so caught up in it. The emotions were running so high. I wanted to get back to my previous level so bad that every time I put a ball in my hand, I was just 
trying way too hard to make things happen, trying to force good results, trying to throw the ball three miles an hour harder than I was capable of trying to hit be perfect and hit these pinpoint spots. And I just wasn't physically wasn't in a space, but also it became where I mentally uh, couldn't do those things either. So Tukes was awesome. You know, I think they had, I got so bad in 13. I remember them, you know, they had me talk to like a clinical psychiatrist for a while, which at the time I thought was crazy. And I thought this guy's never going to, how's this this guy going to help me pitch better? Um, It didn't work out great for me. I think that, you know, maybe if I'd gotten the right person that teamed up with, it might've had a better effect because a lot of the stuff that I end up learning down the road in my journey to get back here, you know, was, was stuff that I think psychologists, psychiatrists are really good at. It's just that those different mental skills, processing, you know, trauma in your past, things like that. I just, I guess I probably wasn't ready to, uh, to deal with it at that time, but they kind of tried everything I, I would say. So did you, when you have access to that and obviously you've got a reason to have that kind of, you know, clinical psychiatrist or even Bob Tewksbury, did you find out things about yourself that you would never would have found out about? I feel like anytime I hear about someone going to a therapist, like, man, he just opened the floodgates to something that happened when I was 10 years old. Did you feel like you're like, man, like you were finding things out that you never would have accessed? Yeah. I don't think I necessarily did that year because I was pretty closed off and, and I was like, uh, wasn't willing to kind of disclose how bad I felt throwing a baseball. I would just say, yes, it's this weird feeling and I'm telling the ball to go here and it just doesn't happen. And that was true to an extent, but I think I knew that there was some more, some deeper stuff maybe going on, you know, just that I, it took me, I think the next over, it really took the next seven or eight years after that all the way till now to uncover some of those things and, and really just come to terms with what was going on and who I was. Yeah. Did you deal with before, you know, around this time, 2012, 2013, did you deal with, were you ever a guy that had to, like dealt with command issues? Like, oh, he walks everyone or anything like that. We, we, was oh, yeah. that ever an issue? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I always threw pretty hard. So that, you know, got me drafted high and all that stuff. But I, I, my command would kind of come and go. Yeah. <clears throat> and I look back now, I don't think it was as much, um, as much a physical thing as I, I had. I wasn't great at focusing. I wasn't great at, knowing the things that I've worked really hard at to, to get back now. I think I wasn't great at, I didn't know myself very well. Mm-hmm. You know, I, a lot, I'd let who I was pitching against the ballpark I was pitching in yeah. um, the weather, you know, whether, whether there was people in the stands or not, like all that stuff would affect how I pitch like, well, empty stadium. I don't pitch well in front of empty seats and I would go out and have a bad outing. Like I would create these self-fulfilling prophecies. That was kind of, all the way going back to probably college, like that was kind of something that I just didn't, and, and no one really had helped me with it at that point. Um, and I think because I left it kind of, um, I, I didn't address it. Mm-hmm. I think it caught up to me and gotcha. pitching in that pressure cooker in Boston, pitching with uh, a physical issue and then compiling these kind of mental weaknesses that I had that I had kind of been able to slide by with because of my talent, they kind of, it all came to the surface is what happened. Do you remember that moment or that, that game or, the, or that one bullpen session that you're like, Oh shit, I'm, I'm in trouble here. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, the one I remember, and I'm sure that the, the origins go back further, but there was an outing in Toronto as my last start I ever made 
uh, probably the last start I will ever make in the big leagues, and I'm totally fine with that. <laughs> but uh, in Toronto, yeah, it was just one of those where I think I went an inning and two-thirds, four walks, couple hit batters, you know, just an ugly outing. And I sprayed a few balls. It wasn't terrible as far as how much I was missing, maybe a few pitches, but uh, I knew something really wasn't right at that point. Right. Because that's, that's right. They were trying to you, – you were basically going back and forth to, to, to try and start, right? It was 2012. was kind of – I yeah. made like 10 or 11 starts. I remember that. Whose yeah. idea was that? Like that was, it was my idea. Really? Yeah, I had started my whole uh, life up until, you know, 2008. And yeah. then I, I started out poorly in the minor leagues, so they flipped me to a reliever. Mm-hmm. And I shot to the big leagues really quick, had a lot of success early. Yeah, and I just thought to myself, okay, this I can do this for more than one inning at a time. I know I can get big league hitters out now. Let's do it for a hundred pitches and see what happens. And uh, yeah, so I was on, I was totally on board. I think I just went about it the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Was was more was more the issue. What um with that too? One thing I struggled with. I used to have the yips on the first base, right? Like a, a bump. A lot of guys, yeah. Yeah, it's cra- it's really common. It's funny, man. I, I was on a radio uh, station on on a satellite radio station when Altuve started. You could see him at second base during the playoffs. I don't know if you were paying attention to that. I saw a few of them, yeah. But there was that split second, and they asked me. I thought of you right away. I was like, oh man, I wish I had you on speed dial right now because they asked me. They said, if if you're a is this common? I said, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot more common than what you realize, even if it's just a small dose of the yips or the creature, whatever you want to call it. But you could see him, just that hesitation, picking that ball up, double pump, and trying to throw this to first base. And they're asking me, like, what's, what's the cure? Like, how do you get over that? I'm like, man, yeah. like, yeah, <laughs> we, I'm literally going to be on. How much time week. you got? Exactly. I'm like, I've got, I'm on here for four minutes, and I'm going to try and give you the <clears throat> best answer I can. But and that's and that's when I was like, oh, what did you say? I got to know what you said. <laughs> I, you know, it's, I'm trying. I think I, and if whoever's listening to this, if you listen to that, I did. What did I say? I said first of all, first of all, I said it's way more common than you realize. Two, I said I think it's more with Jose Altuve. Everything that's gone on this off season, he's a guy. He's a perfect candidate for the yips because he cares what other people think so much, and he brings other things into throwing that baseball outside of what he's actually doing am i am i on am i on to something there yeah 100 percent. i mean that 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 describes me definitely in in that time you know i really you know how it is pitching boston like anything you do good or bad or indifferent gets talked about scrutinized and um i think i just cared way too much about what people thought and i wanted to do well i've cared maybe too much about trying to make that good impression on new coaching staff, new teammates, all those things, you know, you think you get to the big leagues, that guy must be super confident. And there's a full, there's a handful that are, but most, yeah. for most of us, it's a, it's a, you know, a yearly, if not daily struggle that you just, yeah. you know, you're good. You know what you've done in the past, but you know, you, you also know I have to do it again tonight, you yeah. know, and sometimes your body doesn't feel great. Sometimes you're not super confident that day for whatever reason. Um, but no, it's not just turning on the confidence switch yeah. is not automatic for everybody. And you were, you were surrounded to the, going back to that 2013 year, you were surrounded by a bunch of guys that, you know, on the surface, who knows, and you know, them a lot better than I do, but they do have that, that confidence and that alpha where they're walking around. Like I own this place. It's infuriating when, you know, I, I had a situation where I just, 
I had that feeling of, I'm going to throw this pitch. It's going to get absolutely crushed. I could still throw strikes. It wasn't a situation where I was spraying the ball to the backstop or anything like that. It was the worst, most lonely feeling. When I'm in a 2-1 count, and I'm like, man, this pitch I know is going to get absolutely crushed. And sure enough, it gets crushed. And I'm just praying that it gets hit to someone. It's the worst feeling on the planet. The next day, I got to sit there and watch. Like, we had Cliff Lee that year. This is 2010. Cliff Lee. And he just goes out like it's just like, eh, whatever. I'll play little video games on the iPad, go out and just roll out seven, seven eight shutout, and then I'm whatever. Who cares? I'm like, it's infuriating because I try and talk to him or you try and talk to people that aren't in the same headspace as you. And like, dude, just throw strikes. You know, just, just you know, forget that's a, it, 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 it does make it, it makes it tougher when you're surrounded by that, as opposed to not, not saying you want to be around, you know, a bunch of 21 year old rookies in the big leagues and that's going to make you feel better. But you were on a team, especially man in Boston, that was just a bunch of alphas walking around like they own the place too. Absolutely, man. We hit, you know, it was, it was Ortiz, Pedroia, Papelbon was in the bullpen with me. Got uh, Beckett, Lester, and, and, and Buckholtz in the rotation. Yeah. Like a lot of dudes that have had had long, long careers and a lot of success. And guys that if you talk to them or you hear them talk, they seem like they are confident 100% of the time. Now, I got to know some of those guys better. I know that's not the case, right. you know? Yeah. They're human. They're human too. Um, but yeah, some guys do it naturally really well. Like Pedroia had a, I mean, at least outwardly, even in the clubhouse, just an unwavering self-belief. Like, yeah. and I say self-belief, like he basically just talked about how awesome he was all the time. And I think <laughs> looking back, I'm like, that's probably what, that was probably his mechanism, yeah. like his tool for, I'm not feeling great. I'm going to go talk shit to everybody in the clubhouse. Yeah and tell him how good I am and how many lasers lasers I'm going to hit tonight. And then he would go do it. Like he would talk himself into it. So like he had his little tool, his little uh, way of getting to that point. And either you find those things early or, or, you know, it gets exposed, I think. Yeah. I mean, I guess putting it out there in the universe. Well, okay. You mentioned John Lester. Now, John Lester, you were teammates with him. Now he has the yips on the first base. Did you guys have a talk during that 2013 year or 2012? About it? No, he was, you know, it kind of, with him, I watched kind of the progression where he used to pick off and then he kind of stopped picking off. And we never talked about it because in Boston, um, it didn't become an issue, if I recall, until he got to Chicago. Right. I say an issue. I think there was a throwing, maybe a throwing yeah. thing, but it, the, the media didn't catch on to it. Gotcha. Until, uh, was that 15, I think, was his first year there. Yeah. So... No, we never, we haven't talked about it. You know, it's one of those things. I don't want to be the guy to bring it up yeah. to other people. I don't want yeah. to be like, Hey man, looks like you got the yips. Let's yeah. talk. Like I, I think it has to come. A person's got to get to a point where they approach someone else or, you know, somebody else. Uh, they bre they breach the subject, yeah. you know, rather, I think it's better that way. He does an incredible job of working around it too. I mean, even even some of the it's the, unbelievable. It's unbelievable, man. Like some of the body, like you know, he can't throw over. And guys, he just has that 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 body language about him where it's like, no, 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 this is my place right here. Don't try and do any funny business because I'm just going to punch out this. It, it's amazing. And it yeah, you know, everyone says, well, why don't you just fake it till you make it and all these other little things, these things that you hear all the time. But it's not that easy. He does such an amazing job. Yeah. And I think his proves that it's not purely like a confidence thing. You know, yeah. he literally has this one tiny little aspect of his game that's affected by it. Like yeah. 
what is he, 37 years old now? He's still one of the – I think he was one of the better pitchers in the league this year. Even though his stuff is down a little, like, he gets outs. Yeah. And he's confident um, in everything he does to the point where he actually – I think you've seen, like, you know, he'll get a comebacker and he will run it all the way to first base. Yeah. Which he knows everyone in the world's watching that game going, oh, that guy can't throw to first. That's why he's doing that. And he doesn't yeah. care. So, doesn't like, he's care. a – he is a confident dude. He's just, yeah. he's so confident that he doesn't care that people know. It's just that to me proves that, that, that having that, that issue yeah. is such a subconscious thing that like, it's not necessarily a confidence thing. It can start with that, but it also can just be this weird thing that your brain has this little glitch, man. And yeah, that's it's, why I think it's been so hard to, for anybody to, to have a, a cure. Yeah. That's, it's a great point, man. It really is. And it's, well, just who cares what other people think? I mean, you hear these things. It's like, it's just not that simple. So going back, so 2013 and then 2014, I think it was 2014 to basically 2017, you were still, you were still trying to pitch, right? At what point did you say, you know, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm retiring. I can't do this anymore. Yeah, I grinded out till uh, the end of 17. Right. Um, signed about five minor league deals with a uh, diff- bunch of different teams. Um, all, you know, I, I appreciate every opportunity I got. They all signed me, you know, with high hopes saying, look, man, we know you got this thing going on we don't care. You know, we want to give you a, a, an environment and opportunity, surround you with good people, you know, and hope that this works out for everybody. And every, every team I signed with, um, did that. And I, I super appreciative. I'm yeah. sad it didn't work out with each one of those. Cause I, you know, I've met so many good people along the way. I just, I worked, I I mean, everybody thinks they work hard. I'm probably in that boat too, but I felt like I did everything I possibly could physically. I started to explore some things mentally more on my own through reading different books and things like that. But, um, you know, it just wasn't, wasn't enough in that time. It was about five years of of, uh, grinding through it. When you signed with these teams, did they have a guru or did they have someone in the organization like, Oh, we want you to work with, with Tom Smith over here. And he's going to get you through this. Was there ever, was there, there was it? There were a couple like that, um, you know, and, and some of the guys that come to mind were, were some of the best people I've met, you know, yeah. usually it was like older pitching guys that maybe had had, had guys that went through similar stuff in the past and were able to help them through it. Um, you know, a lot of them were like the rehab coordinating rehab pitching coaches. They just yeah. have a lot of experience in the game. They've kind of seen everything they've seen, you see guys come back from different surgeries. A lot of guys have, have some throwing issues. So they were kind of familiar with it. And, and they were, like I said, they were awesome. They were patient. Um, we tried a lot of different things. And, like uh, like what? Just, what, what were some of the things that stand out that were either, oh, either man. worked or didn't work? Or a lot of didn't probably. So I, some of the stuff maybe that like didn't work. And I, it worked with other guys. So I can't say it doesn't work. But like I threw – you know, throwing bullpens to, to a net for weeks at a time, mm-hmm. um, hoping that like taking the pressure of the catcher and the hitter and the umpire away would help me find it. Um, things like that, like they might work for a little while, but the second you reintroduce that other stuff, it kind of yeah. comes right back for me anyway. Um, you know, I got not, not through any organization, but on my own, I mean, I got hypnotized. I got tried all these different kind of therapies and things. Um, man, I, I felt like I tried it all. So I tried all the stuff that I thought would be a quick fix. Like I'd go see this lady one time 
Yeah. And she would be able to, I'd be normal the next day. I, I was really, I think I was really hoping for something like that yeah. because it came on so fast. You know, I figured it came on so fast. I can get rid of it fast too. If you just kind of like fix that glitch, you know? Yeah. And uh, I found that was not the case, unfortunately. So that's some of the stuff you explore, you explored on, on your own. You said you read some books and you, you started to try and ex explore some of this stuff on your own. Um, so hypnotherapy, that, that, that was all you, you went somewhere and, 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 and uh, was there any, was there anything with that? I, I've, I've, I've done some of the hypnotherapy and I'm not quite sure if it worked or not, or if I was willing to let it work. Um, you know, dealing with just sucking, not, not because I had the yips or anything like that. I knew where the ball was going. I just had this, this feeling like I couldn't sleep the night before. I'm like, cause tomorrow I'm going to give up a six spot. I, it was just, I already knew that. And it was just, this is going to be bad. And I'm going to deal with this. So I went to this, you know, hypnotherapy, hypnotherapist. And I walk out and I go, Oh yeah, I feel it was a nice, like, it's like getting a massage kind of thing. But it wasn't like you said, man, you were reintroduced that, that, that field and the noise and the hitter and everything else. So yeah, I found, I yeah. found with those, I did a couple of different types or styles. I, I won't go into depth because I, again, I think some of those things work really well for some people. Yeah. So I don't want to say they don't work. They just didn't work for me at that time. Yeah. But uh, one, I think they made me feel better about the situation. They didn't make me better at pitching, right. which is what I, which is what I needed more than anything. And that's what I was kind of hoping they would do. So did you, when you said, okay, I'm going to hang them up and do go do something else. Did you, were you, was there anything you were excited about doing post baseball? Like, was there any, was there any time where you're like, okay, you know what? I'm done with baseball. I had a good career. Yes. I have some regrets. I wish it went longer, but man, I'm really excited about what I'm about to go do now. Was there anything like no. that? No, no, unfortunately <laughs> there wasn't. Um, you know, I have my hobbies, like, you know, I like to hunt and fish and, yeah. Um, but I didn't see anything being a, a career. So, you know, I knew I wanted to finish up school. I had a little bit of, uh, a little bit of college left to finish to get my degree. So I started chipping away at that right away and, um, started to look into, you know, just exploring the baseball world and kind of reaching out to some connections I had around the game to see if there was a fit for, I didn't know what I wanted to do exactly. Um, but I, so I called five or six uh, front office guys around the game to just see what, if they had any openings or what they, what they thought I'd be good at kind of thing. And, um, called, you know, called the diamondbacks, Mike Hazen, he, I, we connected from way back in Boston Yeah, and I uh, had a good relationship and he, he kind of threw out the idea of a, a player mentor type position, um, for their, for their minor league guys. And, you know, I explored it, interviewed for it, uh, met with all the, player development staff and ended up being a really good fit. I kind of got to where I, you know, I was burnt out on baseball. Like I, I hated baseball when I left at 17, but I also knew like it had given a lot to me. I loved the community aspect, like the, the, those relationships you develop with teammates and coaches that you go to battle with every day. I loved that. I just hated the actual act of throwing a baseball, which is yeah. kind of a big part of it. Yeah. So I, I was very reluctant to do anything that was going to be on the field. So this was kind of like a half on the field, half front office player development role. Yeah. It was like, perfect, man. I couldn't have drawn it up any better. And I didn't do this to help myself, by the way. Like I, yeah. I have to point that out because I did, I was like, all right, well, I didn't get myself back to, back to the big leagues, but I, I learned a lot, man. You know, struggles teach you a ton. Like I said, I was reading books on my own. I was talking to all different sorts of people. 
I was like, I have all this knowledge and experience, but like, I also have no confidence in my ability to, to coach. Right. Cause it's like, I, I couldn't throw a strike at the time still. So gotcha. I was like, but they were like, well, we don't care about that. Just like, you know, you know how, you know what it's like to be, have massive success in this game. And you know, what it's like to have massive struggle. Yeah. Like very few people know those two, the highs, the highs and lows, extreme yeah. highs and lows of this game. So I kind of just tried to use my experience to help guys. And they put me, you know, they kind of gave me free reign to, to turn the uh, position into what I wanted. So I did that for two years. It morphed into like really a mental, mental skills coach job mm -hmm. uh, with them and um, learned a ton. I mean, it was, it was amazing. You know, hopefully helped a couple guys along the way, but yeah. it was, it was, a, it was an awesome two years. Do you feel like, you know, when I work with kids, like, you know, there's 15, 16 up to some guys who are playing pro ball and college ball now. I feel like when I'm, whether it be physically or mentally, you know, spouting this stuff out at them, it helps me in return. Did you feel like that too? Did you feel like when you were working with a kid that, you know what, this is kind of helping me a little bit or putting thoughts in my head about, man, okay, now I can take this into whatever, you know, obviously at that point you weren't, oh, hey, let me get on the mound here. I want to see if I can make a comeback but at least kind of reiterate some of the things that you wish you had coaching basically yourself. hundred percent. Yeah. And that was again, totally unintentional. Yeah. Um, and a lot of it was, you know, going through the, those mental, the mental sides of the game and talking, talking to guys through their issues, uh, using my story. I, I, you know, everybody wanted to hear, well, Hey, what, we remember you in Boston, but what happened? Like, where have you been the last few years? And I would just tell the whole story. Like I have told you the last few minutes and, uh, <laughs> the response, like I viewed my career as a huge failure at that time. Like mm -hmm. I was like, I had everything, had a chance to be a closer or whatever, yeah. blew it. Right. And just completely blew it. And I told my story, you know, hundreds of times, uh, working that job. And the response was like way different than what I would have ever expected. And it's way different than I viewed my career. They'd be like, man, that's awesome. So you got four years in the big leagues and like, that's, that's crazy that you battled through it for five years. Like I know people that, get, get yeah. the yips and they're, they're done in a year because yeah. it's so frustrating, so embarrassing. Um, and they just move on to something else. And I'm like, well, I don't know if it's, you know, if that was perseverance or just stupidity, but I did it for five years <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't have learned what I did if I didn't stick it out and met all the pe good people I did along the way. So uh, those conversations, I told the story and the, the feedback was like so positive and I'm like, yeah, you know what, maybe I did have a, a good career. Like I have a lot to be proud of, not just, you know, it was not a huge failure. And uh, I think just that perspective shift was, was huge too. And then, at, you know, add in all the mental skills stuff that I talked about yeah. and, you know, the breathing techniques, the, the meditation stuff that I kind of, kind of preached heavily. Um, mm. I think it all kind of came back full circle to help me unintentionally. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Do you feel like you mentioned the meditation, the breathing techniques? Does that feel like that's a workout in itself? That's exhausting. That's a lot of work to, to really do that and embrace that. Did you ever feel like those times, obviously, especially when you were just frustrated and you hated the game and you wanted to get away from the game, did you ever feel like, you know, screw all this. I, I, this is just too much work just to throw a friggin' baseball. Were there moments like yeah, that? Yeah. So, so when I was struggling and still playing, uh, it was, I was with the Cubs. Darnell McDonald was, uh, one of the mental skills guys. He was also a former teammate of mine. Yeah. And he, he introduced me to meditation for the first time that year. And I, from that time on in 15, I kind of had some form of like a regular practice or tried to, 
I realized pretty quickly that doing it for like 20 minutes a day in the morning really helped me like go into each day with a fresh uh, wow. perspective, no, regardless of how bad the day before had gone. And I had a lot of bad days. So that would help me like reset for the day. And I realized that it was, it was doing something. Like I just yeah. felt a little bit better, slightly more sane, a little more level-headed. Didn't help me yet on the field. I was still grinding on the field, but um, I knew there was something to it that I, you know, had been looking for. And um, my last team I was with, which was the Mets, uh, had a mental skills coach there that was also big on the meditation, just mindfulness techniques. And he actually was really good at talking about it and incorporating it onto the field. Like, okay, wow. taking a mindful breath is great when you're sitting in a dark room by yourself but can you do it on a mound when you're about to make a pitch? Um, and that just got me thinking yeah. differently about this, all this stuff I had learned. Um, that it's not just about calming you down or keeping you sane. It was like, no, this can be like a performance enhancer too. Mm. Like, cause I had read a lot about um, the science of flow, like flow states. Mm -hmm. And essentially a flow state is, it's the state that your brain's in it's peak performance state, but it's, it's actually caused by some different, your brain uh, wavelengths are doing a certain thing. There's certain neurochemicals getting released. We've all been there, you know, some guys more than others, but th yeah. those days where you look back at an outing or a day, like, how did I do that? Like, you, it feels like an out of body experience. That's how it was. And you were so lost in the moment. They're not, there's no past. There's no future. You're lost in the moment, trust in your abilities, your adrenaline's up, but you're, but you're calm, your laser like focus. We all know that feeling. I mean, that's, that's the flow state. Yeah. So I'd read a lot about like, what is that? You know, is it just this mystical thing that sometimes like we get tapped on the head today, you're going to have it. <laughs> and I realized that it was actually something that you can kind of cultivate, maybe not guarantee, but you can like make yourself more, more, more easily fall into that state yeah. when, when you're going out to perform. And um, so that's kind of where my focus shifted, where it was like, how do I get rid of this? this terrible thing that's happened to me, this terrible yip feeling to let's just shoot for high performance. Like what are, what are the best in the world doing? Like what are big wave surfers doing to, to catch that wave when they have one chance to do it? And if they miss it, their life could be over. Yeah. That's way higher stakes than what I'm doing on a mound. And they're really good at that. And uh, you know, you look at, I started looking outside of baseball, trying to learn about, you know, I'm still, not educated on it at all relative to some people, but just the neuroscience of what is going on when things are going really well versus yeah. trying to, trying to fight this, this bad thing that's happening right. to me, just ch start chasing the good. So that's kind of like when I finished my career, that's what I was trying to do. And I, it, I don't think I gave it enough time to get yeah. back at that moment, but it, it, it made me think of sports psych and just the mental game in a totally different way. And I carried that into the, the job that I did with the D backs. And uh, I think it ultimately allowed me to get to the point where I could pitch again. You sound, first of all, do you have any book recommendations? I mean, this is familiar. Right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, the rise of Superman. Check it out. I am. I'm running by uh, Stephen Kotler. It's a, that's the one that got me going on that, but it's really good. Okay, I'm writing that one down. See, it's not about Superman. It's, it sounds uh, yeah. like now too, and, and this is something that, and, and I always said this as well, for me to really understand, you know, whether it be biomechanics or the mental side of the game, 
I was having some success and then I absolutely struggled. I had to deal with that. I had to deal with the stuff off the field, being depressed, um, talking to, to really explore what's going on inside my head, being present, all these little things that you seem now, I mean, you, you could, sounds like you could talk for hours about it and you have that passion about it. You said you didn't want to be around the game, but you got around the D-backs and you were mentoring kids and, and had that, you know, mental skills aspect and everything else. It really, when you look back when you're 50, 60 years old, and I mean, obviously now you're the National League Comeback Player of the Year. Massive. I mean, that's huge. Because not, it's not huge because, you know, obviously, you know, if you're an MVP or, a, or a win a batting title and stuff, you know, you're one of the best players in the game. But you were one of the best players in the game. You went through absolute hell for how many, how many years? What was it? Seven years or something like that. And then all of a sudden now you're in your mid-30s and boom, and you're back to a place where you, you, you mentioned it before, where you have to now introduce a hitter and an umpire and all these things could easily just be a, to use the surfing part, just be a huge tidal wave over you of, Oh man, taking you back to when you were struggling and you overcame that. It's unbelievable. So I think with that, man, like once you're done playing, whenever that is, hopefully it's 42, 43 years old, you can keep this going because it's fun watching your pitch. But now all of a sudden you have this entire skill set, toolkit, whatever that you can take on and, and, and just make massive changes and impacts to younger players. It's friggin' awesome. When did yeah, you that, feel like it, – it's so cool, man. I mean, it's such an amazing story. When did you feel like – when was that moment where you said – well, two things. Number one, when did you say, oh, I kind of want to get back on the mound and see where I'm at? Was that just for so, fun or were you like, I want to make an actual comeback here? It was for fun at first. Yeah. Um, I, so I – like I said, I was on the field a good bit with the job I was doing. Um, the first year, uh, I was just just finished playing. Still, definitely did, didn't like throwing a baseball. I, I would play some light catch with guys occasionally, but my second year, which is 2019, I went out and played catch some in spring training. Just I would be out on the field, you know, hanging out. If there was an odd man out, I'd play catch with the pitcher who needed it and I noticed right away it felt better than it had in a while just like oh I can hit him in the chest most of the time this is cool obviously my arm's not in shape it's killing me to throw because I like I hadn't trained you know like a pro athlete in over a year at that point but I'm like oh like this is fun again like you know I think the biggest thing is you're you're locked in on the other guy like you're trying to see like from my perspective, I'm not necessarily watching mechanics, but like you're watching him trying to help him maybe through something or talk to him, talk him through something. I'm not focused on me or what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm just making sure he doesn't have to chase a baseball. That's it. And so I think that I knew it felt different. And so that, that year progressed and by halfway through the year, you know, I'm out visiting our affiliates out in California, Reno, all these places, uh, seeing the big league team uh, a little bit too. And I'm playing catch with AAA and big league guys. And I'm literally just doing it for fun. I started to be fun again. That was the first thing. I started having fun playing catch. So I wanted to play catch every time I, I was on a field. Yeah. And people probably look back at that now and they're like, oh, he was trying to make a comeback. I swear to God I wasn't. <laughs> I literally was just like having fun. And I hadn't had fun in like seven years throwing yeah. a baseball. So I was like, oh, I can do my mental skills job. And I can also throw a baseball every day. This is great. Yeah. So I was just enjoying it. And um, the guys I'm throwing with are like, dude, you still got it. And I'm like, what are you talking about, man? They're like, you're throwing harder than I am right now. And you're 
And I was like, I'm just happy you're not having to chase chase it every time I throw it. So, so the ball's coming it, out good. The ball's zipping. Like, you feel it out of your hand. Like, it, you know, obviously not throwing 100, but where you used to be. But it felt – it wasn't like just a dead ball coming out. You're like, oh. No, I had a – I had a. Um, we, we kind of stretched – I stretched it out with one of the guys, you know, maybe 200 feet. That's what his program was. And we came in, and he's like – Dude, you're getting it to me so easy. He's like, throw a couple, <laughs> throw, throw, throw one at me as hard as you can. He backs up to maybe 75 feet. You know, he's not. It's another pitcher. So he goes. He's like, let it eat. I'll catch it. And I was like, you sure? I was like, all right. So like, I let it eat. Hit him right in the right in the belly. Right. He goes. Where, where was this? That, that? Was hit, this? This was, was in. Uh, oh, that was in. Um, man, where? It might have been in Arizona. Might have been at Chase Field. Yeah. Um. I think I'm trying to remember if it was in Reno or, yeah. or with the big league team, either way. Um, it was, uh, I'm blanking on who it was right now. It'll come to me in a second, but yeah, I threw one and he's like, dude, that's at least 93. And I'm like, no <laughs> way. That's not 93. I haven't pitched in two years. I could barely hit 93 when I retired. He's like, I'm telling you, dude, it's 93. It's got sync too. It's got sync. I'm like, okay. Uh, I'm like, it felt good, but I don't think it's 93. So I got home that off season, you know, season ends. I had a pretty normal, you know, I get like three months off more or less, but minus a few meetings here and there. But I started throwing into a net in the backyard because I just was like throwing's fun again. So like two or three days a week, I would go out and chuck a bucket or two into the net. I had a little strike zone set up. And but I was by like, this point, by this point, you've got kids, you know, I mean, three kids. You don't have you don't have a whole lot of time. Like I know how it is. I got two kids. I'm like, man, do I have time? Because I've got a little rap soda machine downstairs. I'm like, I want to go get that puppy out and see where I'm at. I just don't have, yeah. I just don't have time for it. So you're basically there's something in your head that's pushing you to really oh, yeah. to go outside and to really. And it's fun. Test this. It yeah. was the it was the fun it was the fun aspect. It was yeah. like throwing is fun. Like yeah. I just want to do it. And I also at that point I kind of said, okay, I want to like, I'm throwing it and I know where it's going now. It feels like it's coming out hard, but you know I hadn't been on a radar gun in, at all. So I want—I knew I wanted to get my arm in good enough shape where I could get on a mound and let it eat and just see what what happened, right? See if it still see if I still have feel for the strike zone, and then also see like how hard's it coming out. So I, it took till about mid-December to get to that point, and I got on the mound. I was first time out like ninety-one to ninety-three throwing what? strikes. Yeah. And I was like, cool, like, that's awesome. Like this, it's fun again, whatever, but it's still 91, 93. Uh, and I'm throwing with my brother who's a, he's a pitcher with the angels. So he, he was there watching it. He's like, dude, that's like, he knew everything I'd been through. So he's like, just for me to get on a mound and throw 93 consistently in the strike zone was huge. Right. When that he's ball like, was dude, going, this is so cool. When that ball was going in the strikes and me like, Oh my God, that what, like we surprised at all. Or we, a little, just yeah. because it felt so good. And I had yeah. not felt good throwing right. in seven or eight years yeah. at that point. So, you know, and my brother, he's been nothing but supportive, but he was like, all right, like, I don't think I had even mentioned, I said, okay, I said, I'm going to come back and do it again in a week. And if I hit 95, I'll, I'll pitch again. If I can keep throwing really? strikes like this and I wow. touch 95, I'll, I'll pitch again. He's like, all right. And then I, a week later, I did it. I hit 95. Um, I was throwing you know, just as many strikes and, and he said, all right, just remember, like, 
a lot of guys throw 95 around the zone. Like that doesn't yeah. mean you're like back in the big leagues right away. I'm like, yeah. dude, I know. Like I've watched enough baseball last yeah. my whole life to know like it is far from, I was like, if, if this gets me one inning in indie ball, but I can go feel good. Like, yeah. I think that's worth it for me. It, it'll give me closure. And I was totally prepared for this to be like, you know, it, I knew it was going to take a lot of work, but it might, it might be a few innings in indie ball. That might've been my opportunity that I got. And I was okay with that. Yeah. Um, Cause I got to the point where it just felt so, I felt so pulled back into it where I was like, I have to do this for closure for myself. And I can always go back and do the mental skills job. Maybe not with the D-backs. I don't know if yeah. they, they weren't going to hold my job for me, but <laughs> uh, I knew that if I could get back, I'd be a better, I'd be better at my job than I was, you know, having, yeah. if I just said, Oh, that was cool. I threw a good bullpen. Uh, I'm just going to go back to being a coach and right. pretend that never happened. I, I, I knew I couldn't do that. Man, that's, and you mentioned the word to closure. That's one thing that human beings need, you know, like, I feel like that sometimes too, like with, with, with my career, there's like, I went over and pitched in Taiwan. It was just a quick, like money grab. I was like, Oh, there's a bit of money. I had a chance to, to sign with a couple of teams. I was like, no, no, they're going to pay me more money. I'll go over there. Maybe I can get to Japan, but it was kind of this thing. And, you know, admittingly it was huge. It was a mistake. Nothing against Taiwan whatsoever. But I'm like, what the hell am I doing here? You know, this is after I, I pitched with the Red Sox in 13, 14, I was with the D backs and I got back to the big leagues. And then 2015, here I am like, what am I doing? And I, I left there and I'm, and I'm trying to get back and I had knee surgery and this whole thing. But you mentioned that too. And that's something that's been brought up to me a lot is human beings, they need that closure. So I think the, the closure aspect of this really is what got you back on a mound. Because if you, ne let's say you never played catch and you never hit that guy in the chest and that, those couple comments that that kid made, wherever that was, that just kind of got you thinking, man, wow, like there is the glass half full here why not? You know, it's, there's all these little things, man. It's, it's crazy. Did you, were you concerned about, cause the game had obviously changed since you were at your peak in 2013 and you'd been around the game. Were you concerned about your spin rate? Were you concerned about, you know, your, the pitch metrics aspect, but I mean, you, you I were, mean, so that was, that was part of it too. I, the third bullpen I threw, maybe I, I, I don't know. I think I had decided, I, I think I might really give this a shot. And I threw, I threw to a Rapsodo. And my spin rate was like 25, 2600, which is like well above you yeah. know, average Yeah. Uh, to go with the fact that it was 95 and it wasn't like efficient or anything, but I was like, okay, this isn't just like pushing it in there and yeah. it's kind of hard. It's like, it was always sinking. I, yeah. I had some really good sink on it. I had kind of an unusual uh, sinker, I think it, by, by metric standards. So uh, my brother's sitting there and he, he knows more about the data than I, than I ever will. But he was like, this is a, this is a really good sinker. He's like, it's yeah. different. It's like a high spin sinker. Yeah. But at 95 with like that late action, he's like, if you can throw that around the plate consistently, it'll play. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, that's it. I wasn't necessarily concerned, but it kind of reinforced that like, Oh, this is actually coming out good past yeah. just the purely the, the velocity or whatever. So in, that's, that, that's December. Did you start, did you call your old agent or did you yeah, say? I think hey. I, yeah, I did. Uh, I, I talked to my wife a lot about it. You know, she obviously had to support me um, in the decision and she was, I want to say she, she talked me into it in a way. 
Yeah. Like once she heard me saying out loud, like it's, it's really good. Like, I think, I think I could pitch again. She's like, it sounds like you want to pitch again. I'm like, no, I don't want to pitch again. She's like, well, it sounds like you want to pitch again. She knows me better than anybody. Yeah. She's like, if you feel like you're going to regret this down the road, you need to do it. So she basically, you know, talked me into it in a way. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. And then you just had a tryout with teams. Yeah. I called my agent, told him I I am doing this. Um, would love for you to, you know, continue being my agent. We had stayed in touch. We were friends and are friends to this day. And I had to quit my job. I had to fly to fly to Arizona, talk with them. I told them I wanted to do it with the D-backs because I knew everybody. Yeah. I was like, I'll sign a minor league deal here and whatever happens, happens. And they they didn't go for that. Um, <laughs> mainly, I think they thought it was like an awkward – they didn't want – I don't know. They thought it would be confusing to see a guy go from staff back gotcha. to player, especially yeah. if it didn't work out. Yeah. It would just be this weird thing that happened. Yeah. So I ended up, I said, okay, you know, I appreciate everything you guys did, whatever, and did an open tryout. I think I had like 25 teams there wow. and threw really well. Like that, honestly, that was kind of the point where I was like, uh, if the Yips is going to show back up, it's right now. It's right. throwing with yeah. 20, radar, 20 radar guns and 20 guys packed behind a, a screen watching me throw knowing that I had just quit my job two days before and this was like, here it is. Man. If this goes well and, uh, <laughs> and it went well, I mean, I, I stuck to the routines and the process that I had, I had been using in each stuff. I taught players for two years and, yeah. you know, then I kind of developed it for myself. So I used all those same things and felt great and threw the ball well and had, you know, a handful of offers to choose from. So, so, okay. So you made a good point. So driving to that, that open tryout, you were still in the back of your mind or sitting here on your shoulder. You're like, are you going to show up? You were still questioning, is this thing going to show up? Man. Oh yeah. Man, that's, <laughs> but I, but I was confident. I was like, I haven't even had a hint of a bad feeling since yeah. I started throwing, you know, yeah. with intention. The last few months, I haven't had a hint of a bad feeling. It would shock me if it showed up, except the, like this would be the time it would happen yeah, because yeah. people watching, the stakes are way higher. Yeah. I don't have a job right now. I just quit it. So I knew that, and I almost, when I got through that and it went well, I was like, all right, let's do this. Cause I know wow. if that went well, I can, I can I put anybody in the box, put as many people in the stands. I'm good. So spring training rolls around. There you are. You go to your locker. You go, there's a uniform with your name on the back. And you're like, I mean, that must have been surreal, right? To think like you're taking totally. those, those new spikes out of the box, you know, breaking in a new glove, all those little things. Day one of spring training, you get there, meet your new teammates and everything. There must have been like, first of all, there had to be some nerves too, right? Or just yeah, I mean, jitters. I, well, I thought everyone would look at me and be like, damn, that guy's old. Like, <laughs> I thought <laughs> yeah. that, well, because I felt I, I had been in the I had been in the Diamondbacks clubhouse on yeah. a staff role four months earlier. Wearing the pullover, like, the baggy pants. Wearing a pull, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dressed like a trainer or whatever. Like that that was me for Cal two years. Walking on the then, treadmill. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Doing the doing the dad workouts, yeah. but uh, yeah, and then like boom, I'm back at it. I'm an awesome. athlete again, and um, very surreal. And then. I think what surprised me is I, yeah, I was an older guy in the clubhouse, but I didn't feel old Yeah. once I got, once it yeah. got going, like you don't get treated any different. Honestly, guys, if anything, treated me like I had been in the big leagues the whole 10 years. 
Yeah. Um, which was kind of cool. Like they treated, you know, I got, yeah. I didn't ask for it, but I felt like I had the respect of a guy who had been doing it in the big leagues for that whole time, even though I never, I didn't feel like a big league veteran, yeah. uh, you know, going back to it, but I, they, they treated me like that. It was pretty cool. It's amazing, man. Yeah. It's funny. You felt all it's, uh, I was on the world baseball classic 2017. I said, this is going to be it. I'm going to pitch in this done. Um, I just, I had that feeling like I, I I'm not there's, there's yeah, I have regrets and stuff like whatever. But I'm sitting on a bus and you've got all these younger players on there and some of the kids behind me, I'm listening. I've got my headphones on so I can kind of hear what they're talking about. They're talking about spring training. And they said, yeah, I'm trying to get to AAA this year, but there's so many older dudes there, man. Like old guys like clogging up the system. I take my headphones off. I'm like, hey, like, just jump in the conversation. And I'm like, how old are these dudes? Like you're talking about these older guys. Like I'm thinking, you're know, like, oh, 28, 29 years old. I'm like, oh, put my headphones back <laughs> on. I'm like, oh my God, dude. Uh, I'm like, how old am I? What am I doing here? It was that feeling of like, I just felt like a grand, grand, granddad all of a sudden. But the first spring training game down in Arizona at, um, was it talk? It's talking stick, right? Talking stick. Mm-hmm. You go out, there's people in the seats. There's a big league umpire, a big league hitter. What was that? I mean, what was that like? Was there any like that tryout? I wasn't. Yeah. So I wasn't, I wasn't worried about spraying the ball. Like I, I was confident in my ability to throw it. Um, but my heart was racing like at an unhealthy level, probably like <laughs> I was amped to be out there. And I, so if you look at the box score from that first outing, I gave up five runs. I gave up five runs. I got two outs, maybe walk to yeah. uh gave up a homer um but anyways if you look at the box score it's like well i know i know there's got to be a thousand people out there that looked at that box score that when they saw i was you yeah. know pitching again and said yeah. well he's still screwed up like nothing's changed yeah. did you walk and I, I walked two walked two but i was standing i i got out of the outing going man, that was like a horrible stat line, but I actually felt really good. Right. Like my, my walks were like three, two missed by six inches. Yeah. Um, I think there was two CNI ground balls that got yeah. through that were good pitches yeah. that could yeah. have been outs easily. I walked out and I'm, I was throwing, you know, mid to upper nineties all around the zone. I dropped in some sliders for strikes. I'm like, I'm good. Like that's, that's yeah. actually, I thought it was like ironic that that was my first outing. And I got, I got a couple more outings before the, the pandemic hit and I, the, the next two went really well. So at that point I knew I had the two good outings right before I got shut down and I, I was like, okay, I can do this. And so I had basically the two or three months at home to digest, like I pitched two really good innings in a, in a yeah. big league game. I'm good to go. Did you, did, when did you feel like you actually had a chance of making the team? Like going into spring training, did they say, I know they always tell you what you want to hear, but did they say, hey, you got a real shot of making this team? Or were you like, okay, I'll go to spring training, get around the coaching staff, go to AAA and hopefully make my comeback? 100%. Yeah, I, I, I didn't have any expectation of making the team that first camp. Um, I thought they were going to give me a, a spot in AAA to probably, you know, prove myself for a couple months and yeah. then have a chance to get called up. And uh, it w- I came back. So I was during the shutdown, I was able to throw like, I think I threw about 10 live VPs in a, in, a, in the minor league stadium here where I live. So and, I, and a couple, there were some big league hitters in there. Right. So, and I faced those guys. Uh, I was throwing like two innings every time. So oh. I was getting tons of reps. Nice. Getting wow, that's, super that's comfortable. Like- yeah. Oh, it was unbelievable. And I knew the guys, so I was getting feedback from them. Yeah. You know, I'd face them. 
uh, and they'd tell me, Hey, I'm seeing this on your changeup, seeing this on your four seam, whatever. This pitch is really good. Oh, that's huge. I had that for two months. And then, and then I got, I barely, I think, got invited back to the 60 man, the little summer camp deal. I think I was one of the last guys they added, which I was like, I didn't think they'd add me just yeah. because of my, it was such a long shot for me to get back. And, yeah. but I knew, I knew if I got the invitation, I was like, I'm, I'm good now. Like I, I'm ready to go. Like, I'm ready to go try to make a team. Yeah. So it was a very different mindset than like, Hey, look, this is a cool story. Let's try to get one inning yeah. and, and yeah. see what happens. This was like, no, I'm ready to do this. And like, I, now I just made to make sure I stay healthy uh, physically because I know I got the, the pitching part was, was, was good. Yeah, it's funny. During that shutdown, I was talking to a couple of you know, big league guys on, the, on this podcast and they said, yeah, man, I can't leave my house. I just bought a bone on, on Amazon. I got to throw in the backyard. I'm like, how is anyone going to be ready to roll if it, once this thing starts back up? But if you had that kind of feedback where you that simulated games against good hitters, that's huge, man. That was, that's, you're so lucky with that. That's great. So going in, so you go into that summer camp, and tell me that for, you you make the team, right? And they tell you, did you when did you have that feeling like I'm gonna I'm gonna get I'm gonna be back in the big leagues? Was that the end of the summer camp? I think it, when I heard the words come out of their mouth, like you just, you made the team. Wow. Uh, they told me and uh, two other non-roster guys, Matt Kemp and uh, Chris Owings, all at the same time that we had made the squad. In and, an office um, or on the field? In an office, they called really? us all in at the same time because we all had big league time, but we're signed to minor league deals, yeah. trying to make, trying to make the team. So they called us all in, and that was kind of cool to share that moment with them. And uh, that's I think amazing, man! Wow. As great as it was for their careers, I think they looked over at me right away, and they're like, "Dude, this is unbelievable!" Because they knew I'd been out for seven years. Yeah. Um, wow! It was it was unbelievable, and then. I mean, from then on, I was just like excited. I was like, I get to do this again. Let's go. Did you feel like it was easier pitching with no one in the seats? Just for you? as uh, You know, it might have helped a little bit. I don't, yeah. you know, it, when, when, when things were at their worst, I could have been on a backfield with a catcher and one yeah. pitching coach who I was good friends with, and I would have thrown terrible. Yeah. Like, so it really wasn't a worried about what people think thing. It became such a, I guess so deeply ingrained in the subconscious, it didn't matter two people or two hunt 2000, like it was going to be there or not. So I, you know, I don't know. I can't say I didn't pitch in front of a lot of fans, but I threw in front of fans in spring training and it wasn't, wasn't an issue at all. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to the, I'm looking forward to next year, hopefully having some in the seats. So what, when you found out you're the national league comeback player of the year, what did that mean to you personally? Was that a, was that a, really good 24 hours after finding that out and, and feeling like some sort of what you call it closure or fulfillment. Yes. I didn't know there was so many comeback awards. <laughs> I guess there's like three of them. Uh, so one of them's not released. It hasn't been announced yet, but I won the, the player's choice one, which, okay. you know, I think as you know, is like, to me, that's the coolest honor yeah. is the yeah. rest of the league voted on that and then chose me and, there were some other like really good candidates too this year. Like some years, I think it's hard to find somebody. Yeah. This year, I mean the the guys, you know, Tyler Matzik uh, yeah. with the Braves basically went through the same thing I did and got back and had an awesome year with them. Um, Trevor Rosenthal with uh, with the yeah. uh, Royals and the Padres came back after a really rough rough patch for him and he was awesome. So they could have gone to anybody, and I you know I feel fortunate that enough guys you know picked me. 
But it yeah, was the fact that the fact that the players you mentioned that you know that that makes it even cooler because I was watching clips before you came on here, just watching some some of the the quotes and comments from players talking about you, and it, it, it just it resonates. You know, obviously because you know I'm a player, I went through some shit, and so did a lot of guys. So. Oh man, so cool! I, I got to ask you this, man. You've got, let's say, you've got an eighteen, nineteen-year-old kid who's who's electric like you, like you are, and he's dealing with the yips. He's got the the world the in in the palm of his hands. He's a big prospect or whatever. He's got a ton of ability, but he's dealing with the yips, and he's like, "Screw this! I just don't even know if I want to play anymore." What would if you could bottle up some sort of <clears throat> advice to him and say, "Look, man, this is what I recommend you do." What would that be? I would first tell him there's no, I don't think there is a quick cure. Yeah. Um, so stop looking for that. Yeah. Um, but I, with that being said, there are things that drastic that can definitely help if you stick to them and you, and you do it over time. Um, you know, I talked about the breathing techniques, the meditation, that's definitely a big part of it. I think perspective wise, your perspective on the game gets so out of whack when you go through that. Yeah. Um, you lose you lose the ability to have fun on a field essentially. Yeah. And I found the quickest way to get that back is to become just find like gratefulness, like find, find, find a way to be grateful for that day you get on the field every day you go out there right? and say, look, I get a Jersey. I, I get to put this ball in my hand. A lot of people would kill to be in this position. Um, no, I don't feel, I haven't felt my, my best for a while, but that's okay. Cause like I'm here. I have my health. Yeah. I have people around me who are trying to help me and find a way to be grateful every day. I think that's where it has to start. And yeah. then you can kind of build the other pieces around it where you start reteaching your brain and your body that like, it's okay to throw baseball, you know, it's, it's finding ways to, to calm yourself down, finding ways to improve your focus. It's, it, I can't credit one thing. I think there's a yeah. hundred different aspects of what allowed me to get back, but I do think, it's, it's possible. It's possible for anyone. Cause I, I do think it's one of those things, the longer the yips goes on, it's going to take more time to get out of, right. get out of you guys. So I've talked to guys who are like, man, I had the yips really bad one, that one game. And then I was fine the next game. And I'm like, that's cool. Like, that's great. Yeah. I, I'm not gonna, I would never say you didn't have the yips cause it only lasted one day. You just yeah. had a case where it was like some weird circumstance that caused it. I went through it for six years and I think it yeah. took me, maybe seven years. And it took me a full two years of completely. I mean, I quit, I quit baseball altogether and became a coach. <laughs> There's no more extreme measure than yeah. that. Um, and I'm not saying you have to do that. I do think teaching the game, you know, if you have a chance to give lessons, yeah. um, things like that can, can definitely help. Um, but keep exploring things and, and never give up because it's definitely possible. Yeah. It's funny. It's, and, and, you know, kids now, like a 19 year old, they've got no patience. They want results in a week. They want to go on YouTube, so yeah. get a video and boom. And so they're like, I took him seven years. I haven't got seven years, you know, but it, it's, it's amazing. Do you feel like one, 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 before I let you go here, do you feel like what you've been through in the last seven years and the, the things you've explored, whether it be meditation, some of the, you know, the, the, you know, the research you've done from reading and stuff, do you feel like you could, you can help people outside the baseball world too, that are dealing with stuff, anxiety? I hope, dealing I hope with, so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, if there's one thing I learned, so like when I started doing my job with the D-backs, I was really nervous to talk with hitters. Uh, I thought all I know is the pitching side. 
And yeah. the, the longer I did it and I talked to some hitters, I'm like, it's all the same stuff. Yeah. Like, and I think that goes outside of the game too, but like performance anxiety, um, you know, just that a lot of people, I've, you know, people, whether it's like talk, given a, given a speech or yeah. I've heard, I've talked with writers. Uh, some of, some of the people who wrote articles about me after this all happened were like, I've had this in writing. Like I literally, I was this, highly acclaimed writer. And then for like six months, I couldn't write anything that made wow. that was worth worth anything. So um, that was kind of cool to hear like different people's story. They hear, you know, immediately when somebody hears anybody's life story, they relate it back to themselves yeah. or try yeah. to. So it's been cool to hear how people when they hear my story relate it to, to things that they've gone through. Well, in a couple of years, you're going to be like, oh, well, here, take a copy of my book. <laughs> uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. We're, we're, we're a little ways off. But, uh... <laughs> yeah. Daniel, mate, this has been awesome, man, chatting away and, and hearing some of this stuff. And I always say this, when, when I do these episodes, it's like therapy for me. I, like, I, I'm not going to lie. Like, that's one of the, my favorite things to hear your story and to, to dive into some of this stuff. So I really appreciate it, mate. Uh, thank, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a blast, man. Thanks, Ryan. Man, I appreciate you having me. Great to talk to. You. Great to catch up. And uh, yeah, yeah, glad glad you're doing it, man. I, I've always I thought about starting a podcast a few years ago. You should. You need to. Life, life got away, but I, I I've been on plenty of them lately, and this is this is one of the best. So yeah, you um, I appreciate you, it. you don't need guests, man. You don't need to talk to anyone. You just need to, to talk for an hour. People, man, people. <sighs> I don't like my own voice that much, man. <laughs> Trust me, I'm I'm with you. Uh, that's for sure. But I was like, when I was, when, when I started, you know, doing this, I was like, you know, should I just start talking baseball on my own? I'm like, no one wants to hear me speak for an hour. I need to get people like you and some people have had some crazy, crazy um, experiences and journeys. But uh, dude, you could literally just, you could carry the whole thing on your own and, and talk about this stuff for hours, man. It, it's fascinating. I mean, I'm, I'm leaving here. I want to make a comeback. I'm, I'm doing I love it. it, man. I feel like you're about to make an announcement. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh man, I, I don't know. My back would explode, and yeah, I, I don't think my uh, yeah. At least always you excuses, man. <laughs> there is, yeah, exactly. Awesome. Well, Daniel, I appreciate, it, man, and uh, hopefully, you can come on again and 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 talk baseball, talk uh, the mental side of everything. It was a lot of fun. Absolutely, man. Happy to do it. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed that episode of The Top Step with Daniel Barb. Man, what a story. What a comeback. I love it. I love hearing those stories, uh, how tough these times can be in 2020. I love hearing stories like that, man. It just gets me going. These episodes are like therapy for me. I say that all the time. I know. And next week, it's a little bit different subject, that's for sure. A couple different subjects, but I've got three of my best friends in the game. Mr. Liam Hendricks, who was the reliever of the year with the Oakland A's, Mr. Peter Moylan and Grant Balfour all on the same episode. Oh my goodness, it gets a little ridiculous. A lot of fun, a lot of laughs. If you need a laugh, make sure you tune in next week. Make sure you subscribe too and go to www.thetopstep.com slash podcast. Check out uh, episodes, videos, everything. All right, I appreciate it guys. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week right here on The Top Step.